Transition partners take mental health very seriously. We are now supporting Claro Mental Health Charity, who are local and based in Harrogate. We are working closely with Richard Kenny, who is the IT director at Tech Buyer. Claro operates as a commercial workshop making goods for businesses, which enable those with long-term mental health conditions to function in a voluntary real work environment. We would love it if you can join us in supporting this amazing cause and charity and donate what you can. Any any amount will be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much and thanks to all our listeners. Hi, this is the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. My name's Ellie Greening. And my name's Sandra Patel-Stewart. On this podcast, we will be interviewing some of the UK's greatest tech leaders. We'll be discussing war stories, battle scars, and their learnings from their journeys. Hopefully, you will pick up some great tips, learn from others' experiences, and have a good laugh along the way. everyone and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. So we've got an extremely exciting guest on the show today. It's Dr. Sophie Chung. So Sophie is the CEO and founder of Quanu Medical, a digital health platform with a focus on medical travel that helps patients find the right doctor anywhere in the world. After studying medicine, Sophie then decided to switch into the business world and worked at McKinsey & Company, where she later moved into the startup life with ZocDoc and now runs her own successful startup. Sophie is a passionate, proactive leader, and we're looking forward to hearing more about her interesting journey today. So it's so great to have you on the show this morning, Sophie. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Lovely. It's so great to have you here. Got great energy this morning. And she looks so and you're glamorous. looking, I know, I was just about to say, you're looking absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I know, it's making me think maybe I should have gone out of bed earlier today. <laughs> no, I, I just said, it's, it's the camera and I'm facing the sun. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> Fantastic, lovely to meet you as well. Um, and um, yeah, it's fantastic to have you on the show. Um. So to start with, it'd be really interesting just to kind of, I guess, set set the tone and um, give a bit of context to the um, the viewers and the listeners. Um, it'd be fantastic to find out a little bit more about you, your journey into tech, how your career started. So if we can go right to the beginning um, and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd like to... I always uh, describe my career as a very unconventional career. And if you would have asked me if I was 16 or 18, if my career would end up looking like this, I would, I would tell you, you're out of your mind. So you know, <laughs> if you would have drawn a career that said, oh, you're going to graduate high school and then you're going to study medicine and sinology and philosophy, and then you're going to work in business and then you're going to go into stardom and then you're going to start your own company. I would say this is, this is too much, but basically in a nutshell, this is what, wow. <laughs> this is what my, my, my career has been so far so I started off in 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 a very academic world I uh I I became a medical doctor and I was a stem cell researcher and soon after that I I decided to basically join the dark side and went into business and worked for a management consulting company um a McKinsey and company and 
um, it was basically just a coincidence um, of an opportunity that has that that has opened for me, and I just said yes because I was interested and curious what that would uh, hold for me. And uh, during that time, I decided to to move into tech because that was the time when kind of tech that was um, the uh, kind of around two thousand. Uh, uh, 2010 to 2013. This is when tech became big. This is when yeah. first companies arose, especially in digital health. Uh, what you know, my topic was, mm-hmm. and uh, that really got me hooked. And that's why I decided to then go work for a startup in New York to just you know experience what's going out on the, uh, out uh, uh, there. And uh, during that time, I decided to start my own company because there was no product. Um, I, I personally like to use when I was looking for a doctor. So I was like, I'm just going to go and do it myself. Fantastic. Good for you. Amazing. Yeah. A very impressive um, journey. So, um, so you said that you um, decided to go to un- New York and, and work for a startup. How did that come about? Um, why New York? And um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about how that came about and, and what, what, yeah. what, what was involved in the challenges, I guess, of moving to you know New York and, okay. and going to work for a startup? So I personally I've never really been stuck to a place. So I never I was never a person who said I have to live here or I cannot live there. So and when you look at where I've lived um in kind of the, up until now I've moved around basically and lived on almost every continent except for <laughs> Africa and South America. But um so for me it was really it drives me where it, it, it gets me to the place where, where I think, you know, the, the things excite me most. And at that point, I was in Germany, I was in Berlin, I was looking into tech, I was looking into digital health, and um, there was not much going on in Germany or in Berlin. And mm-hmm. um, I had to look to London, to, to Silicon Valley, and to New York. And uh, it happened that I found ZocDoc, which was, to me, the most amazing product in digital health at that time. And I knew I wanted to work for this company because I wanted to be in a place where I could learn, where I could be fascinated by, you know, the product that is being put out there. So when I was still working at McKinsey, I decided to leave and I wrote one application and that one application went to ZocDoc. I didn't even try to, you know, get a different job somewhere. I was like, I want to work there. And um, thankfully it worked out. And therefore it wasn't really New York that I chose. It was lockdown that I showed, and that happened to be in New York. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So how long were you in New York for? For almost three years. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. And so, for, and then from there, you went on to start your own company. Yes, that's right. So I, uh, I worked in New York for, for almost three years. And during that time, this is when kind of the idea for, for Kino Medical manifested itself. I always wanted to do something in healthcare. I always wanted to do something for patients. I didn't want to create a solution for hospitals or health insurances or anything. I wanted to create a solution that makes patients' life better. And, um, and, and during that time, kind of that idea of this global platform that helps people find the right doctor, no matter where they were, really solidified. And um, it was kind of, you know, a point where the stars almost aligned, where I found an investor who was willing to, or was interested to invest in my idea without even having a proper product out there. But uh, the investor really liked the idea and liked me, obviously, and said, hey, if you're going to come back to Berlin and do this thing, we want to be the first to put money down. And so for me, it was almost like, it doesn't get better than this. And 
if I had to choose, I wouldn't have probably, you know, take the plunge at that time. To me, I, you know, I, I think I felt like I needed to, co to, to collect a little bit more experience working, working in New York at ZocDoc. But I was like, you know, I think sometimes you just have to take the plunge. So I uh, decided to quit my job, I moved back to Berlin, and that was end of 2016. And since then, I'm building my own company. Um, wow. <laughs> fantastic and um, so and you've the company's been running for about four and a half years just under five years um so let's um I think it'd be really interesting then to focus a little bit more um on that I mean obviously it's it's a huge thing um setting up your own company by yourself and obviously you had an investor but ultimately it was your idea it was all you um it, I think it would be really interesting for for others to hear the journey in a little bit more detail of you know how did you how did you go about it what what pain points did you have what challenges um you know any kind of I guess as well any lessons that lessons that you learn along that that way and um, for others to to learn from yeah plenty of lessons <laughs> the way. it's not all plain sailing is it <laughs> no. no but really I think um, you know what what for me my vision and the product I wanted to build was fairly clear from day one I knew I wanted to build a platform that was digital that was accessible on the internet I knew I wanted to build a product that works for everyone in this world and not just for Americans or for British people or for Germans I wanted to create a platform that works for everyone in this world I wanted to create a platform that patients could access themselves and don't have to go through their insurance company or their employer or something like this so I had a couple of really you know strong principles that were stuck in my head and I think that really helped to you know to get going because I didn't have to do much of the fact-finding anymore. Mm. The, the, one of the biggest struggles at the beginning was, though, that a lot of people I was speaking to didn't believe in the same principles. So, for example, I had discussions with investors who said, you have to make this B2B. B2C doesn't work. And again, I'm only, only going to invest if, if this is going to be a B2B product. Oh, wow. And, you know, at that time, there wasn't a right or wrong. And there were good arguments for one or the other, for one yeah. or the other direction. It was just basically my my understanding and my core belief that I wanted to go direct to consumer, basically directly to the patient. So the struggle wasn't in terms of really, for me, in terms of formulating what I wanted to build. The struggle was more being challenged and then challenging myself on whether those were the right principles mm. and uh, the right kind of um, frames I would, I would, I would set for myself. So um, and, you know, fundraising the first time was definitely a challenge where you go out, you have a minimal viable product, really. Um, and a lot of people, basically most people who you speak to will tell you that it's not going to work. So I went out and said, hey, I want to create this global platform for every patient and they can find the perfect doctor for them. And it's going to be free for patients because we're going to charge the doctors in the hospitals. What do you think? Um, and people will go like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, but I don't think that's going to work. And um, basically, I think 98% of people I spoke to would give me that answer in one or the other way. And mm. I think, you know, what, what really helped me through that phase was somebody said to me once that if, if your idea was a good idea, an obviously good idea, somebody would have done it before, right? So coming up with an idea that is unusual will create the, the reaction of skepticism and 
and and and something that people might not be able to envision by themselves so don't you know hold back or or or, or let this be a setback for yourself so I think that was a big lesson for me to to go out there, talk about my idea, share that. I think a lot of entrepreneurs I, I see now who are starting off are very afraid of sharing that, the ideas because they are, mm. they are afraid of being copied and things like these. And you know, I always say an idea itself is worth nothing. If you have an idea and you don't do anything with that, it's worth nothing. You really have to execute on that. So don't be afraid of somebody stealing your idea. There's so much more to that that is necessary to make this successful. Um, the other challenge was, of course, starting off and finding my team. And um, I was in the lucky position where I had funding. So I, you know, I had some financial resources to start off with the team. But of course, you have to be careful about this. So for me, it was yeah. really about where do I start and what type of people do I need? Because once you have a company, you kind of know the profiles, right? But at the beginning, it's like, what am I looking for? So, and that was another learning to, 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 for, for me, where I started with the core values of my company, because I, I kind of knew the expertise, but really you only get to know once you start doing the things. But for me, it was really important to also understand what kind of people I, I wanted to surround myself with in month zero of, of my company. So I wrote down my company core values, which are still valid up until today. They involve things like patients first, which is obvious, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also things like, you know, no assholes and no bullshit. I think like, you know, now it was my company, so I could actually make up the rules. So those were yeah. the rules I came up with. Um, so yeah, um, I think, you know, thinking back, those were the basically two things um, that generated the most learnings for me is basically you know how do you how do you keep believing in, in your idea and start executing despite everyone telling you it's not going to work and mm -hmm. number two is how do you find the people who will stick with you through these times that kind of not have been easy that must have been so it, tough and you must have really thick skin from the yeah. back of that yeah no definitely and a lot of sleepless nights I should imagine um I absolutely love that you 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 talk so passionately about what your idea and what you've done and the journey um you know and it sounds like what obviously you know you had that challenge with the investors because they were seeing it more from a commercial point of view whereas for you it was from the inside you know it's what you really valued and 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 believed in your values and your beliefs which is great and it sounds like that's what you've injected into your business um which is amazing so um yeah well well done that's absolutely amazing what um what size are you at now then so obviously you've gone on that journey um you, you set up that instrumental team right at the start how many people do you have currently so right now we are at 70 people um, wow. in, in Berlin. Um, we were projected to grow a little bit faster, but this year Corona happened, so we, we stalled. Um, but we, we also didn't really shrink uh, in, in the number of people. So we are, yeah, at 70 right now, I think, you know, thinking back, I started off with three people and then five people around me and getting to 70 is, you know, is, is, is a very big leap and we're a completely mm. different company now compared to what we were two years ago and especially compared to what we were at the beginning fantastic amazing so i'd love to hear then um obviously you've grown fast you're at 70 people you're in a great position for a startup it it, it, it was there a reason that you moved to berlin for it or were you you lived in germany before or was it just 
what brought you to Berlin for the for growing the company? Yeah, there were a couple of reasons that that made me move back to Berlin. Um, I think I think it was just you know the combination of of, of everything. Um, I grew up in Austria, which is close to, to Germany, and I think the European culture does, is just closer to, 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 to kind of my, my understanding and my liking. And so I was always drawn to, to come back to Europe at one point. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have had an, an, a problem in, in starting a company in the US, but that was just something that was kind of a natural inclination for me. Number two, the, the, the investor who, who invested in us uh, is Project A, who is a, a Berlin-based investor. So it was kind of also a little bit of a natural thing to, to be close to that investor. Um, but also in the end, it was a business decision. Um, starting a company in the US, where I was at that time, was just so expensive. Um, yeah. you know, being in New York alone would have cut my runway by probably 50% um, given the amount of money I had at hand. Num- number two, the war for talent, I thought, you know, was super, super aggressive um, where I was in New York and uh, the talent wasn't necessarily you know, better compared to what I could hire in Berlin. Um, and uh, Berlin compared to many other European cities, again, is the perfect place to start a company. It's relatively cheap to do so. Um, it's very international. Um, a lot of talent come to Berlin because they just like the city and like the vibe here. Um, so really, the, when, when I get asked this question, I usually ask back and say, why not Berlin? So for me, yeah. there was not a reason to not consider this and everything just you know made sense and therefore I decided to come back. And there's such a great startup community as well, isn't there, in Berlin? So you you know you're not alone and there's a lot more support. Whereas I can imagine in New York, if you'd have done it over there, it would probably felt a bit more isolated. Yeah. Um, the, but, the startup but there is such a buzz around the city, isn't there? Oh, definitely. The, the startup community is, is definitely more intimate um, just due to the smaller size. Um, and, and, and people just know each other. And, and as you said, for some reason, people are just much more supportive and much more open and also you know now that i've been in the game for a few years i i try to give back and 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 do my part so it's 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 a brilliant yeah that's so great to hear sounds like you definitely made the right decision yeah definitely (laughs) so just a quick question on that note as well you said you you now that you're a bit more established you like to give back and do your part be interesting to find out a bit more about that as well actually yeah so um you know, once you you kind of you you survive the first few years, um, I, I feel like a lot of kind of um, younger founders, in terms of just starting off in in their tenure, um, approach you and ask you for you know for your opinions or for some guidance. And where really wherever I can, I I will take my time to do so. So I get a lot of you know emails and requests through my social media channels, and and I won't be able to do it with everyone. And sometimes it's also not my field of expertise. I want to be helpful, but wherever I can, I do. Especially when it comes to female founders, that's where my heart is. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I love to encourage many more women to 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 start their own company. So um, here, I try to yeah encourage as much as I can. I try to be in different mentoring programs. I, I, I feel if, if, if they are meaningful. Um, and also I, I started to, to invest uh, my own money in, in early stage startups. Um, I'm not a super rich investor, but this is kind of my way to also be engaged um, because 
you know, one part of people when they look at the startup community and especially at the gender gap or bias or however you want to call it, it's very clear that we need more female founders, right? But nobody looks at the investment side of things because I think that's a main, one of the main reasons or a, a big reason for, for, for this gender gap to, to be existing because it's not just on the founder side, it's also on the investor side where women just invest less. And it's, um, it's not because they have less money. I think there are many other reasons for this, but um, you know, it's just following the principles of being the change rather than just talking about the change. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, I also started to invest and some were quite successful and some were not, but that's, that's part of the game. <laughs> Is that just health tech or have you expanded past that with your investment? Um, it's mostly health tech just because yeah. that's what I feel most comfortable with, but I'm also not, you know, a professional investor. I don't have a professional deal flow. So it's very opportunistic when I see something, when a friend of a friend or whenever. So I also have it in, in, in other verticals such as gaming and, and things like these, but, um, my natural place is, is, is health tech. Great. Great. So seeing as this is a leadership podcast, we must ask, I think obviously not everyone's born a, I mean, born into sort of like managing teams, it can be difficult and becoming a leader, growing your own company. There's so many challenges along the way. I'd love to hear more about your leadership style, the challenges that you face with that and any key tips that you've got for people in your position. Yeah, I mean, I work in management consulting and I feel like this is where the topic of leadership is being beaten into you. So I've been you know, thinking a lot about this um, in, in my early career days. And for me, it was always clear um, and that might sh- just sound like a phrase, but I really mean it. It's, it's leadership is a mindset and leadership is an attitude and it's not a rank or it's not a position in a company. So I think, you know, leaders you find everywhere, not just at work. You find leaders in your family. You find leaders in your circle of friends. You find leaders also at work. Um, but for me, leadership is just so much more than being the boss of somebody or being the manager of somebody. Um, a leader to me is somebody you can look up to and somebody that inspires who inspires you to do other things. And therefore, you know, you can find leaders everywhere and everyone can be a leader and not always those, you know, North stars of leaders. I think, you know, you can, you, you can inspire people around you in, in, in smaller things. And this is, this is where, where leadership starts, where you are a role model, where you try to, you know, influence people to, to do, to, 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 to do good. And that's kind of, you know, if you, if to summarize this, this is, this is my, my leadership philosophy. I don't, I don't go out there and say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm the CEO and founder of my own startup and therefore I'm a leader. Being the CEO and founder is, is yeah, you, it's a position and you will have people working for you. But uh, for me, true leadership is when you make people follow you because they want to and not because they have mm-hmm. to. Um, and that takes so much more. Right? Like that takes so much more in terms of um, how you interact with people, how you put yourself out there, how wh- what what you talk about, um, the topics that are near and dear to your heart, um, and and all of that. And um, it's it's an ongoing process. I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't see myself as as I don't know a natural born leader or something like this it it took a long time to get myself to where I am and I'm I'm by far not where I I want to be and I don't think I will potentially get there but for me being a leader is also a constant learning process Mm -hmm. to work on yourself and to excel and become a better person every day yeah I agree with that brilliant (laughs) 
So I think um, it will be really important um, to find out a little bit more about where you're at with the business right now. As you say, the past year has been a challenge for everyone. So it'd be interesting to find out how you've had to pivot the business during the current climate. Well, obviously, obviously, a lot of what, what you provide, the services you provide, is people travelling to doctors anywhere and hospitals anywhere. So all of that's had to go on hold. Um, so finding how the business had to pivot, but also as well, like how you've motivated your team through that time. Because that's certainly a challenge that a lot of leaders are having right now. Yeah, definitely. I think... I think that's the biggest challenge I've faced so far in kind of my professional career. And um, just, yeah, just to recap. So on Cuno Medical, people book medical procedures, mostly abroad, and travel abroad for medical treatment, right? So being in healthcare and requiring travel, it's basically being hit by a double whammy um, during um, this corona crisis. I think, you know, when it started off and me being like, brought back to being a scientist and looking at the facts, I have to admit, I was among the people back in January and February who said, Corona is, is not gonna, you know, disturb anything here at QNO. We will go about it just um, business as usual. This is like a flu when you look at the facts and the data and nobody's gonna panic. And then a few weeks later, the panic. 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 (laughs) So, um, but also there was a new fact base. And um, so that was mid-March. And mid-March was also um, exactly the time where I had my baby. So I had my due date exactly oh, when yeah. Corona broke out. And uh, so, you know, everything came together from a business perspective, but also in my private life. Oh, my and God. I had to <laughs> manage both uh, at the same time and basically, you know, putting a baby into our, <laughs> into, into earth, um, but also... Um, during my company through this crisis. And um, for me, it was clear when, it wasn't when, when Corona became a topic. For us as a business, um, we had to act when all the flight bans were put into place. Because this is when we knew that our patients who have booked treatments with doctors in other countries won't be able to go and receive the treatments. Even though, even, even if they wanted to go, it was impossible. And that was the point of where we said, okay, now we really have to act and we have to act fast. So um, what we did, and that was kind of a a development day by day, really, you know, every day we got in front of the company and gave more information and uh, kept everyone in the loop on what the plan is, because at that point there was a huge amount of insecurity going on also in the company because people were like, are we going to survive? Are we going to die? Do we have enough money on our banks? What are we going to do? Um, are our, all our patients going to cancel? Like all these questions, like, do we have a plan? And I think, you know, this is when everyone looked up to, to the leadership team and said, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? And for me, therefore, it was clear that, you know, I had, I had my, my baby on a Monday and on Tuesday, I was still in the hospital on, on Wednesday. I was, back in front of the company and not because I wanted to and because it was, I was feeling confident, but I had no choice because, you know, being, being on top of, of, of your company means you are there last woman standing in good times, but also in bad times. And um, so it was really a constant, uh, it was a constant decision-making in terms of cutting costs down, meaning, you know, our marketing money, um, putting, uh, parts of our team on short time work because all of a sudden we didn't have traffic anymore. Um, 
adjusting our strategy to, to, to from, you know, we were, we were on a growth path. Every month we were hitting higher targets and all of a sudden we couldn't anymore, but, you know, we wanted to, to do meaningful things with our time, but it wasn't, it was clearly not market growth, but more strategic things and investing more in our technology and our product and things like these. But that all required a lot of shift and thinking, a lot of decision making, a lot of communication. There were still people, I mean, we were 70 people, not everyone is on the same page. So where there, there were still people in the company who didn't believe Corona was such a big crisis and didn't understand the sincerity of the situation. So we had to, you know, make it really, really clear without sounding too dramatic in terms of, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna die because we, we, we were not. And I knew from the very beginning, and I have to say, you know, we were in a super good and lucky position where we were, uh, uh, in a, in, in, in a stable position from a economic, from a financial perspective, we had great investor support. At no point I had to, you know, I, I had an existential crisis when it came to, when it came to Kino Medical, but that is something that not everyone had in my company. So I had mm-hmm. to really transport this with, and, and in a very genuine and, and honest way, because a lot of, a lot of um, leaders were going out there especially in Berlin startups I heard who were basically lying to their staff or, you know, pretending the situation was better than it was. And then a week later they had to lay off all the staff staff and things like this. So it was a lot of insecurity Mm -hmm. within the industry. And that's, I think that was the biggest thing I had to deal with. And thankfully I have an amazing kind of management team around me who, so I wasn't alone. Um, And uh, yeah, thankfully, we steered through the past few months um, as projected, really. We projected new kind of spendings and adjusted the business plan, and we basically hit that. And now I have to say the world seems to recover again. Planes are starting to fly. Patients are going to get their treatment again. Yes, really, fingers crossed. But, you know, July is is, uh, basically almost back to normal for us, which is faster than anyone would have expected yeah. yeah it also shows how important healthcare is for a lot of people and that you know that's the first that people will um yeah. you know, get get fixed again once once the world goes, goes mm. it's interesting yeah. as well isn't it because i think that now after everything that's happened like it's made people wake up and smell the roses and really look after their health that we cannot carry on the way we're going and you need to if you're not looking after yourself properly yeah you need and to, i also think kind of lockdown and the fact that people were at home and had a lot of time in her hands and think about their life and what they want to achieve i think health and personal health started to become a much bigger priority for many people because they started to realize that this is what you know, they need to yeah. live a better life. I think that's what lockdown did is pushed a lot of people into looking after themselves um, a lot more. And, and there's lots of positives that, um, you know, that people can take away from that experience that we've all had this year, um, which is fantastic. Um, oh, my God, I can't believe that you had a baby and then day three you were back in the office dealing with all this. Like, what a... That must have been awful. <laughs> you yeah, I don't recommend it to anyone. Emotional roller coaster. Um, you must yeah. Oh my god! I mean, you're full of hormones when you have a baby. Like it's not like you can control this. And you know, I didn't sleep. I just had a baby. I, you know, my company had needed to manage that Friday evening at the end of the week where I had another all hands meeting with my staff. I wanted to kind of keep them informed before I sent them into the weekend. Um, 
I was in tears at one point because I was just, you know, too much and I was overwhelmed by my emotions and I'm sure a lot of hormones were going crazy in my body. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I think, yeah, at the beginning I, I was kind of annoyed with myself that, that it happened, but there was nothing I could have done to avoid it. It just overcame me. But in the end, you know, looking back, I think, It, that made that part made everything real and genuine also for my staff um, to see that we're not, you know, bullshitting. It's not, we're not making things up and um, that the things we're talking about are, are absolutely genuine and that this is a time where we have to get closer together and work together on something so that we can get through this crisis and get out of it stronger than we, we went into it. Mm-hmm. Well, well done, you. Well yeah. done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Your staff would have absolutely massively respected you you for that. Yeah. And you will, that will go such a long way. Um, it's yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't imagine too many people would have done the same thing in in that position. Um, so big, massive, well done. Um, for doing that. Mm-hmm. Was it your? Is it your first baby or? It's my first baby. Yeah, wow. and it, it came a bit early, so it wasn't planned. But um, yeah, I mean, thanks God and touch wood, everything has went well. And again, you know, I, I never was looking for sympathy and saying, look at me and I did yeah. all of that. But yeah. I think it just, you know, talking about leadership and talking about steering through a crisis, you just, you just, you got to be there. You can't you know, check out. You got to do, do what you got to do, haven't you? And that brings me quite nicely on to my next question. Um so you, you've, you've set up a startup, you've gone through having a baby the same week that uh, the pandemic hit the whole world, um, big crisis, um, and that was only in March, so your baby's, what, four months old yeah. now? Um, and it sounds like you're back in the, the thick of it all, and, and I don't know, maybe you never really fully stopped. Um What do you do to sweet? I mean, you look amazing. You look like you're on it, you're refreshed, you're, you know, you're very, you've got lots of energy um, about you. What do you do to manage all the stress and the, you know, how do you switch off and... um, Can we bottle it and have some? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you're taking, Sophie, send it over to, send it over to the UK. I want some. I wish there was like a, a secret drink I, I have brewed in, in my fridge. Um, <laughs> really, I think, so number one, doing what you love is really important, right? And the company that I've built and the fact that we're helping patients every day really gets me out of bed every day. So mm-hmm. without a question. And I think no matter what you do, you don't have to start a company to be to be happy in, in, in your professional life, but really find something that, That you're passionate about and of course it's not not every day is, is going to be a good day um but generally something that really motivates you to get out there and, and be productive and i think that is a big big component i think if if that wasn't the case i would probably be in deep depression or so uh, number two um uh, having a great support system i was never by myself um i had an amazing team at my company but i also have an amazing family who who got my back And I think that also really helped me through it. My mom was here. My dad was here at the beginning when, you know, when I left hospital. Now my parents-in-law are here. So I, I'm very blessed and fortunate that we have a family that can stick together and um, that, that, is, that is very supportive. But then also, I think what is also important is to find 
And so I do my mini timeouts. So I don't really have to go on three week vacations to get fully recovered because I barely get to half this time. What is important for me is that during the day and during the week, I have times where I do my mini timeouts. And this can be Saturday mornings where I don't have to rush uh, to, to get into my calls and meetings where I just take an extra amount of time in the bathroom to get ready and pamper myself a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. This can be at the end of the day, reading a book. And sometimes I'm too tired to do so just watching. And I'm a, um, I have to confess, I'm a, a big fan of trash TV. So um, that just helps me to like, <laughs> shut down my brain, <laughs> shut down my brain. And it's amazing, right? It's, it's just people always, yeah. people always like, Oh, trash TV. It just melts your brain. And it's, it's rubs you. But for me, it's like this weird switch off thing where like, yeah. I don't have to think about anything. It's, funny and like yeah I'm like yeah I agree and you don't have to it's not intellectually challenging so you know once since you're using your brain all day you want to not use your brain yeah at the end of the day so things like these I work out I um I started to work out again after after um uh, my pregnancy now I worked out late into my pregnancy because I I am a big believer of 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 physical health having to be balanced with mental health and you can only be healthy in both kind of in both both places if you take care of both uh the same way um yeah so those are kind of the little things where you know i just uh that that i started or i learned to instill in in my day-to-day to to not go crazy brilliant fantastic i think it's so important to look after yourself and like you say real health is the balance between mental and physical and looking after yourself so yeah i couldn't agree more with that it's been um yeah, lovely hearing your story, but I always love to end the podcast with you've been through, like we said, a bit of a roller coaster over the past few months, and hopefully it'll be completely smooth sailing here for you and the business, Sophie. But um, what are you excited about at the moment? What plans have you got for the business? What what can we do? This year's been a bit of a standstill for most people. What can we do in the next six months, twelve months to get excited about what's coming? Yeah, well, I mean, in the immediate term and in the in, in the short term, I'm really excited for for the world going back to normal, hopefully, and being able to, you know, again, having a baby, I was very much on social distancing and things like these, just not because of me, but because you know, all of a sudden, I'm responsible for for some other person, and I'm really excited to kind of go back to normal, um, seeing people again, enjoying life, traveling. Um, also, you know, my business going back to normal, um, being in touch with a lot of patients again, seeing my, my, my team again, um, kind of, yeah, I think, you know, the lockdown and Corona really made me and probably many other people appreciate just the things we had, um, in our basically normal day to day, um, long-term what, what my plan is for the business. I always say world domination. There's nothing that can, that should keep us back in becoming, being the largest platform and helping the most patients in this world and um that's my goal and that has that has never changed so hopefully at one point we'll we'll be the leader in the market and we'll be dictating what an amazing patient experience can look like we have no doubt that they no, definitely not look, look forward to seeing that happen because i have no doubt it will happen <laughs> yeah yeah me too it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this morning you definitely set me up for the day yeah you. me too oh, <laughs> that energy and inspiration. yeah yeah <laughs> raring to go so um hopefully all the listeners will be too if anyone's got any questions sophie what's the best um way for them to reach out to you 
Yes, uh, I mean, I'm visible on most social media channels um, through LinkedIn or Instagram. Dr. Sophie Chang, very easy to find. Um, don't be a stranger. Please feel free to message me. Um, I might not get back to you within the instant second, but I try my best to get back to everyone who, who approaches me or Twitter um, as well. So whatever works for you, um, I'm, I'm out there. Um, you can Google me very easily. Perfect. And hopefully uh, both myself and Sandra will be coming over to Berlin in the next couple of months. So yeah, love to meet up with you whilst yeah. we're over there and catch oh, up. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Meet your gorgeous baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Thanks so much, Sophie. It's been fantastic hearing your story. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.